Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. We have audio this time. Sorry about the last episode. Okay, so this is tip three for implementing AI tools into your business profitably. And and the one game-changing game question that most business leaders fail to ask that makes all the difference. Coming up next. Hey, you know, if you watched our previous episode, that would be episode number 304. It's now a classic because it had absolutely no audio. We had a problem. weren't aware of it. Apologize for that. And uh, if, if this broadcast live and interactive to so many different locations, we weren't able to pull all of it back. So we just left it up. Had us uh, singing the blooper song. And if you do any kind of video production or live streams, any type of, you know, public speaking, I'm sure you're familiar with the blooper song. So one more blooper. Thanks for staying with us. So here we are, tip three. So tip number three for implementing AI tools profitably into your business now, because it's just this deluge of tools. We're seeing so much going on. There, It's risk assessment. This is a hot topic in the news right now. As you may have seen, there's been some banking challenges and their risk assessment was a big problem with with that particular scenario. It's like putting all of their assets into too small of a bucket. Or in other words, for a bank that invested almost all of its uh, cash assets into bonds, which are usually safe, the problem is during inflation, bond values go down, which meant that the asset value went down. Therefore, when it came, when the bonds came due, they lost a lot of money on the bonds. They became insolvent. Investors started pulling money out and uh, feds shut them down. Now, that's not the whole story. The risk assessment part is. I'm sure we'll learn more about that scenario. I just want to use it as an example. If you need to do risk assessment in your business, you do, where are single points of failure that you have in your business? For example, if you use an avatar, now right now, AI technology has uh, achieved a level where you can create an avatar so that you have an automated process where where you the first point of contact for a prospective client with your company is now very customized and interactive. It's using their name, it's natural language. They know it's an avatar, but it's a cool video. It's something that's very, very engaging. So you're setting the tone for the experience from the get-go. And this is scalable. And this is this is a key issue. It's scalable on that customer contact. You can't necessarily if you use a live person to effectively interact with every single lead, every single prospect that comes in that's not qualified yet, right? This is the very first point of contact. This is not qualified uh, warm leads that are going, hey, you know what? I want to talk to you about doing business. That's a completely different game. But at this level, uh, you will grow your business if you're not already there to a point where it's just not, excuse me, it's just not feasible. And to outsource that can become very, very risky because now you've got a whole training a whole uh, training issue, very much like some of the big companies you've probably done business with, right? If you had to call your cable company or your cell phone company or, you know, some, maybe uh, your internet, internet service provider company and uh, had a challenging experience with their outsourced customer service, they're good people. They're competent people. It's just that they're straightjacketed into a script and a system that doesn't allow them to deal with you as a person. Whereas an AI avatar can do that for you and be scalable 
so that you're not hiring more and more people in order to keep up with the radically large increase in leads that you should get as you scale up, right? Make sense? But what happens when that goes offline? Does that become a single point of failure? Right? So there's an upside and a downside. You look at it, I go, great tech. What do you do when that goes offline? If you have something internally that is helping, like say you're using one of the new AI chatbots as a way of crafting, um, you know, drafting scripts for blog posts, for doing research on the internet and, and the entire knowledge base that's out there that the chatbots can much more easily delve through to research topics for with your team for your team. If you're doing that, well, what happens if that goes offline? Either the chat box, either the service goes offline or your cable connection breaks. What do you do? You know, for example, when I got my first job out of college with Hughes Aircraft, they sent me a job offer, blew my mind. I had a long heart to heart talk with my dad about, you know, whether to move to California, be far away from him. You know, what do we do? And decided to take the job. I attempted to call them back, which is what they said. You know, give us a call. Give me a, de a due date, you know, a deadline to call them back. And I could not reach them. So I called, left messages, at looked up multiple phone numbers, left messages at multiple places, sent a letter, sent a fax, sent a telegram, anything I could do to make sure they got the message. And then my new boss called me back and was laughing about it. But it turned out what had happened, a construction crew had cut a telephone line uh, accidentally out in the street near the, near the facility where I was going to be working. So they had no way to get in touch. They couldn't, no phone access. That was before we had cell phones like we do today. This was, I won't say how long ago, but it was a demersing long amount of time ago. And uh, it was long enough ago that when they cut the phone line, they had to scrub the shuttle, one of the shuttle launches because communications for the shuttle launch was managed through that facility. And uh, that was a great job. A lot of stories for another time. But it comes back to where's that single point of failure and how do you work around that? Now, today, we've got cell phones and other means of communication where it would be easy to get around a phone line break like that. And in fact, in many cases, it doesn't even apply anymore because phones, uh, hardline phones are less in use. Now, in businesses, still more, but it may be voice over internet. What happens if the internet cable goes? So it's just looking at those types of issues. I've got some notes here that I'm checking. I want to get you all the information and keep it quick and tight for you. Hope you're making notes. So you need to have a plan. You need to do the risk assessment and have a plan B. Now we've got the question that I teased in the show open here today or this episode opening about the one question that business leaders fail to ask, well, let's say 97% or 97 plus percent fail to ask that changes everything. We'll come to that in a minute. So stay with me. Um, what else do we have here? I am skipping some of the notes because it's not really relevant. It's oh, here's, here's something else. How much training needs to go in place with your team in order to be able to use these AI tools? Now, this is a classic implementation failure where uh, Ken Blanchard companies and also I believe Gallup poll has done research on this and found is either Gallup or Gardner group has done research on this and found that 70% of initiatives to implement changes like this and the tech changes, major process changes within businesses fail in the U S they fail to get the economic value that was predicted, that was expected. That was the whole point for the investment in the change. Training is one of the key points of failure, key factors for failure in doing that. So how much training do you really need to have with your employees? 
Second, how does that change their workflow, their work process? What policy and procedure do you need to change? So you need to have that dialed in as you're implementing and be flexible at adapting. That's the third thing. Be flexible to adapt as you're implementing and learning things so that you can have a best practice, keep it in excellence and not be locked into something and go, well, it kind of works. We're going to do it this way. Even though we found out that there's a better way to go about it, working with that tool, which leads us to the question, the big question and stop whatever you're doing. Pay attention. Look at me. Here it is. This is what makes all the difference for you when you're implementing AI technology and really any other technology. How easy is it to change? At some point in the future, you're going to need to upgrade. You're going to need to switch to a different tool or something unforeseen comes up that is a better way to do stuff. You're going to need to be shifted over to that. How easy is it to change? After you've put all the time, effort, money, people, process, you know, policy procedure, training, all that you go through to get it, to get the AI tool implemented correctly and using it profitably, how easy is that to change when six months, 24 months down the road, it's time to shift to something new or a major revision comes out that makes it radically different in how it interacts with your CRM or other parts of your, your internal systems. Or the voice, you know, it's a voice uh, activated avatar. Let's come back to the avatar example. You know, it's a, a voice related avatar. You have to completely retrain the voice. Well, how hard is that to do? Because that will have a huge impact going forward. Or are you locking yourself in to something that you're going to be stuck with for years in order to get the ROI that you want? Or that becomes so disruptive, no matter how desperately you want to change it, you just can't do it because now it's become fundamental to the business. And it's like pulling a cornerstone out of a building, right? Or pouring, pulling a keystone out of an archway. That's the, that's the, uh, uh, if you're an architect, help me out here. What's the correct term for it? That is the, the uh, piece of stone. You see a stone archway and then there's one stone that's a little bit different. It's right in the center that actually holds that arch together. You yank that out, the structural, the structure will collapse, uh, you know, or strong wind comes by, it'll collapse, it becomes unstable. So it could be something that's so woven into your company that it's hard to replace. Think about that in advance. We see that a lot with like for accounting systems, very challenging to change over in uh, product development, the computer aided design systems that are used. I went through one of those where we did a complete upgrade, $40 million upgrade at an aerospace company that uh, we changed the entire product development process because of all the new tools that were coming online at that time. So that was in the late 1990s when a whole bunch of new stuff that hadn't been available five years earlier was now available that allowed us to change how we, how we did the product development process. That's, <laughs> but once you put that in place, it makes it difficult to radically change it. Another example, um, think of the SpaceX advantage. SpaceX was able to radically lower the cost of putting a pound of payload into orbit. That's one of the keys in launch in, in launching stuff into space. How much does it cost to get each, you know, per pound to put something up in space? Because that determines what's going, right? If it's $100,000 a pound, that's big money to put something that weighs a thousand pounds or thousands of pounds, like one of the really large satellites, right? So think about just the cost of getting it in orbit, not to mention the cost of, uh, whatever the payload was to build that, right? So you're, you can be looking at hundreds of millions of dollars in a launch easily. Now, if that cost is $1,000 a pound 
That's radically different. What if it's a hundred dollars a pound? Now we're getting commuting people into space level of stuff, right? If it's a hundred dollars a pound, that means you can put a person up for a couple hundred dollars. How radically does that change everything? Now it becomes more like air flight rather than space flight. That's what SpaceX has been able to do. They're not at a hundred dollars a pound, but they radically lowered that. Changed the industry. Now SpaceX is making more launches in a year than all the other launch uh, launch organizations on the globe combined. They've gotten really good at what they do. How did they do that? When you have companies like McDonnell Douglas, let me use them as an example. They're now part of Boeing, but I worked for McDonnell Douglas in launch system development, in fact, and we were attempting to get that cost down. One of the things we ran into was the, the inertia within the company the fixed processes within the company, the products we already had and the cost to change them in order to reduce the cost. It, the financial equation was different and that limited things that we wanted. There were things that we knew would radically lower the cost. We just couldn't do them because the change would be so expensive compared to what we already had flying that it made no sense. It would be too big of a risk for the, to the company to do that until an upstart comes along like SpaceX. They, they had to... to start from scratch anyway. So it made it possible to do things radically different, particularly on produce things that affected the producibility, the cost of manufacturing the launch systems and the re, you know things like the reuse of the systems. So that's where they've been able to really radically innovate. So what happens to your ability to radically innovate when you are installing an AI bot, some new AI technology, or really any new process, any new technology into your business. This is a more general issue, but it will make the difference between you dominating your market niche and eventually stumbling and being knocked out of your market niche. One last example on this question, the question of how hard is it to change? Uh, in the early earlier days of adapting robotics into auto manufacturing processes, GM and Toyota took two different approaches. GM was working towards light, what they called lights out factory, no people in the factory. So what they wanted to do was automate as much as possible. And they put the latest and greatest robotic arms, robotic welders, robotic, um, automated move pallet movers, everything they could, they automated in order to limit the uh, number of people that were involved. Toyota approached it from the standpoint of how can we continually improve how we're supporting the production worker in the factory, get the job done more effectively with safety being the leading concern. The reason that's important is the two radically different philosophies resulted in Toyota having a very flexible system. So as new technologies came online, they could adapt them much faster. What GM ended up with was a billion dollar factory that they could only use for a relatively small amount of short amount of time because it costs too much to change over for model changes on the cars. Toyota was changing cars over models over every three years. GM was locked into a five to seven year pattern because of the cost to reprogram the robotics they had put in place. They didn't think through how easy is the change. Flexibility is a key. It's strategically necessary. It has really become table stakes in today's marketplace right? If you're playing poker, you got to have a certain amount of cash in order to be able to sit at the table. That's called table stakes. Flexibility in today's business environment is one of the things that's a table stake. You have to be highly flexible. The most, the most flexible, the most adaptable will be the ones that win. That can be you 
You just need to ask the right questions of your leadership team, right? So this comes back to our broader conversation we've been having here across several episodes. This is for you as the owner of your business to your, what do you need to be doing? What's your perspective need to be with your leadership team so that they can select the right technologies, implement them in order to give you competitive advantage, increase your profitability and make it a more engaging, safer, good place that people want to work, right? You do that and then you can unleash the talent in your company, which is another crucial issue. We've talked about that some, we'll talk about that more in the future. So that's it. So, you know, do the risk analysis, look for single points of failure, have a plan B, have a plan C really, you know, in case when it breaks and it will, what do you do? Also ask the question that no one else asks. How easy is it to change? Once you get it installed, do everything that you that needs to be done to understand how, what the cost is going to be, the true total cost to get it implemented, to get people trained to use it, to get your processes realigned in order to have it fit in and get the advantage you're looking for. Once that's all said and done, what's it take to change it? You need to ask that question. Otherwise, you could be putting something in place that you're going to be stuck with and it will be catastrophic to try to change in the future. That is the biggest check technology problem. When we were working with virtual reality technology and product development in the 1990s, that was one of the big issues. How can we leverage this technology in a, in a way that doesn't get us stuck with a process that we can't change because it takes too much training. It takes too much money to redo so many things around that particular piece of technology that it becomes, it becomes the cornerstone when all, when what it really should be is a facilitating tool. Understand what your cornerstone is and never lose sight of the fact that these AI tools aren't your cornerstones for your business. They're your facilitators for your people in your business. So thanks for being part of Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf. We'll give you some more bloopers, most likely down the road, <laughs> but hope you got something from today's episode. If you did drop it in the, in the comments, if you got a question, put it in the comments. We track that. This is 21st Century Television, live and interactive. Thanks for being part of the conversation, and I look forward to seeing you on the trail.